Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text from today, our text for today, is taken from our gospel reading from the seventh chapter of St. Mark with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. It was a rainy Saturday morning this last June in the Beck household, and dear old dad had decided that it was time for his son, now six years old and rapidly approaching seven, to take part in a rainy day tradition that was very near and dear to his heart. It was time for me to break out the retro video games. And wild away the afternoon with my son. Now, my boy's enthusiasm was there. He was ready and eager to enjoy some father-son game time, and I debated with myself which might be the best title to start off with. So I went with what was a staple of mine when I was growing up. I popped in Super Metroid, and I handed him the controller, excited to see on his face the same excitement and eager longing for adventure and exploration that so entranced me at his age. But as we got through the opening mission, I could see him start to lose interest. This game is boring, Dad, he said. Can't we play something else? Well, slightly stricken, but not at all deterred, I decided that maybe he wanted something a little more flashy, something a little more action-oriented, so I decided to boot up Castlevania and let him have a try at that. Now, five minutes passed, and then Connor put down the controller, and he looked at me imploringly, saying, Dad, this game is too hard. The controls are weird. Isn't there something more fun that we could play? All right, I thought. Now, I was going to wait a little bit longer for this next one, but he's a smart boy, and he's a good reader, and so I thought, let's go ahead and bring out the big guns. So I decided to switch consoles, and I dug out the most immersive and sweeping adventure that I could think of. A game that I loved so dearly in my adolescence, and a title that was almost universally acclaimed by gamers across all ages and preferences, and an experience which was almost unanimously declared 1998's Game of the Year. That's right, I bloated... The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and I just sat and waited for the magic to begin. But as we watched the intro, and as we made our way to the first temple, I saw that same tired expression creep over my little guy's face, and he turned to me, cutting right through dear old dad's nostalgia. These graphics are terrible, and the controller is strange. Can't we try something else? Well, friends and neighbors, I was, frankly speaking, flummoxed. I had so many fond memories of days with my dad and my friends playing these very games, and I always had a blast. What was going on here? Why couldn't he see what was so obvious to me? Why couldn't he see how groundbreaking and timeless and revolutionary these games were? What more do you want, buddy? I asked. These are the best games that I have. These are all of my old favorites. What gives? 
And well, it was then that my dear wife cut in with some words of wisdom and saved the day. How about instead you try playing something that he enjoys? That thought never really crossed my mind. But there it was. I was so wrapped up in nostalgia and all my old traditions that I was missing the point of what made those rainy days as a kid so special in the first place. Experiencing them with my dad and with my friends. Friends, have you ever done this or something like it? Have you ever been so wrapped up in tradition that you forget why it is that that tradition was established in the first place? This happens to all of us, and it was, in fact, kind of a curse and stumbling block for the Pharisees who challenged Jesus in our reading today from Mark chapter 7. Now, traditions can be either good or bad. Some of them are well worth observing and keeping, while others may die off and fade away. But the Pharisees who approached Jesus were rather obsessed with a very particular kind of tradition that was entirely about themselves and what could be done to make themselves look good. Now, for context, when we find Jesus and his disciples in this text from Mark 7, when we look backward, we see that they had just been ministering to a group of chronically ill men and women in the city of Gennesaret. In terms of Jewish tradition, such exposure to the sick and the dying, even when done as an act of piety or charity, would have rendered those exposed ceremonially unclean. This was true even for Jesus and for his own disciples. So it was to the shock of the Pharisees then that when the disciples had finished this work of charity given by their rabbi, that they decided to take a meal break without first observing any kind of ritual hand-washing or cleanliness. In fact, St. Mark points out that the Pharisees themselves oftentimes made a very public show of observing the entire Levitical order before their meals, treating every occasion as though it were prepared for service in the temple, up to and including the washing of cups, pots, copper vessels, and oftentimes even the dining couches that they reclined on for their meal. It's worth noting that the word that is employed here in the Greek for this kind of ritual washing is called baptismos, the origin of our modern word for baptism, which as you might guess from our own understanding of the Holy Sacrament, entails much more than a mere act of physical cleanliness. For the Pharisees, it was much less about the spread of germs and much more about what one could do in order to be the most technically observant in terms of the covenant. Every meal that these Pharisees consumed in the presence of their Jewish brethren was baptized. It was consumed ritually in order to render themselves ceremonially pure according to the covenant with Abraham. Now, as you read this, you may already begin to see the critical flaw 
in their understanding. For while the disciples were hard at work ministering to the needy in the name of their Messiah, the scribes and the Pharisees were far more concerned with what could be done to make themselves appear more upright than their neighbor. And it's here that Jesus answers their challenge with words from the prophet Isaiah. He says about them, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God, and you hold to the tradition of men. He then concludes these words with some words of his own. He lays the sin of the Pharisees at their feet by saying, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. Perhaps some of you might find it jarring to see Jesus in this context. Jesus, whom we have just spent three Sundays now hearing from the sixth chapter of St. John, as he proclaims himself to be the very bread of life from heaven, that food which gives eternal life to his people. And now, here he is in Mark 7, delivering such pointed and scathing remarks to this people. In this text from John 6, think about what we heard from Jesus, what we observed. We saw how the Christ offers himself up as the very food of immortality, that all who might receive him in their flesh would be given his promise of everlasting life. In stark contrast to this now, we have the scribes and the Pharisees from Mark 7. The elders and the community leaders of Israel rejecting this true food in favor of works and rituals to try to make life for themselves. In so doing, dear friends, these men ignored the gifts that God gives in favor of earthly traditions and rituals which should have pointed them to the Christ whom they were now rejecting. It's as though they were trying to stand on ceremony before God, forsaking his word of grace and trying instead to appeal to them by some manner of self-righteousness. Like me with my little boy, they were so wrapped up in the trappings of tradition that they were missing the blessings that those traditions were supposed to convey. For mere outward washing and ritual, those aren't the things that make you clean before God. No baptism of pots and pans and copper vessels or dining couches, but rather an inner washing which comes by the Spirit through the baptism of Christ. Thus, for the Christian, there is no ceremony on which we might stand before God. There's no means by which we might declare ourselves to be righteous only through that baptism into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Only through the means which he has appointed and given for us to call ourselves righteous by his sacrifice. And yet, like the Pharisees, so often we poor, miserable sinners are often given to try to make a righteousness for ourselves, a righteousness which is really no righteousness at all. 
We trust in the traditions of men over and above the gifts which God gives by his church. Jesus compares this sinful behavior to a man who breaks the fourth commandment by offering up money to support his aging parents as a Hebrew word called korban. Korban means a gift over and above what is required in the law of Moses. It is something extra given, oftentimes by the Pharisees, as a means to show how much more dedicated they were than their neighbor. Dear friends, I tell you that in so doing, the man who is guilty of this makes himself appear upright at the expense of his mother and father who starve at home. And so the name of the Lord is not glorified by this man's actions, but rather it is scandalized. And so I invite you today to consider, to ponder, much as Jesus rebuked the Pharisees who approached him, how do you and I continue to commit this same sin? How are we guilty of putting the things of man before the things of God? What are the commandments that we have broken? And what are the gifts that we have forsaken in the name of worldly tradition? Who have we left unserved? Who have we failed to minister to because it would make us look bad to associate with them in front of our peers? How many Sabbath days have gone ignored because of sports and leisure? How many Bible studies have been left unattended because we couldn't miss Sunday brunch? How many families have been discouraged from hearing the words of Christ preached to them because their children became noisy during service? How many times Has your mind wandered from the gifts of baptism and the word and the supper because you were more concerned with what music was being sung, with what clothes you had put on that day, with the morning snacks or coffee still to be prepared with fellowship events later in the week, or maybe you were just too hung up on a social media post of your neighbors that maybe you didn't really really agree with all that much. Dear friends, whether a tradition or a social norm is good or not so good, I tell you this morning that it is no substitute for the real reason that we are gathered here in this place. For it is in this place that Christ comes to us through the means appointed, through the word and through the sacraments, offering us free remission for all our sins, even those times when we have put the things of man before the things of God. In his letter to St. Titus, the Apostle Paul writes, But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ our Savior. Friends, may we not stand on ceremony before God. May we not become so wrapped up in things temporal that we ignore things eternal. 
Let us not strive for those things which give only the outward appearance of righteousness, nor let us pursue those distractions which get in the way of the gifts that God offers by His Son. Rather, may we strive to daily and gladly receive Him where and when He comes to us, according to the means appointed by Him for our justification, that we may truly be rendered a people pure in the sight of our Heavenly Father. Let us stand on no traditions, no ceremonies, but let us stand ever on Christ crucified, who is the rock of our salvation. In his most holy name, amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus, unto life everlasting. Amen.